scripture. We're talking about emotions. Um, so I'm going to lay some, some foundation before we get into actual emotions. And I'm going to skip the whole science. Right? I told my dad beforehand. I'm going to skip the science of emotions. I've been struggling with that because I'm like, man, i got to like break down what the emotions are. And I'm a science nerd, and most of you know that. But I'm going to skip that part because I said, there's no guy. Well, there's a few of you. There's mostly no guys in the audience. Um, they're the only ones that believe that emotions don't exist. We're all fully aware. So we can skip that section. So I'm going to skip that section in the notes, and we're going to go a different direction instead. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these both, um, these first three scriptures. I'm going to read them in the Amplified, and I'm going to read them in the New King James. So I'm going to read them to you in the New King James first, and then We'll read it in the Amplified. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, not partially. And sanctify is to set you apart, to bring you out from what you were originally in. So he sanctifies you completely, not partially. And may your whole spirit, not partial, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. All right, now let's look at that in the Amplified. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, and make you pure and wholly consecrated to God. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, God is a God of order, not disorder. So everything throughout the word of God is put there intentionally in order. Okay, it says spirit, soul, and body. He wants us whole spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say that. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay, that order matters. That order matters because sometimes we want our body whole. We got our diet plans. We got our exercise plans. We got our, our cool outfits. And then we have our soul and we're working through our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we're trying to work out what we're desiring in life, what we're thinking about in life. We're working through emotions. And then we go to prayer and pray about those things. Last. God, help me with that body that I want. God, my emotions are out of control. God, I need help with the, with the desires. God, let me desire what you want me to desire. And he's like, I would help you, but you're too busy desiring on your own and then praying about it later. So spirit, soul, and body, it's in that order that we would take the time to go spirit first. Spirit first. And we're going to look at what that means because you're like, how does one do spirit first? It gets confusing. Spirit first, and I'm concerned about who God has created me to be on the inside and drawing close into a relationship with him. That's how our spirit man grows, that I feed my spirit with the word of God. I, speak, I feed my spirit when I spend time in prayer, worship. That's why we will worship, worship, worship at this conference. And if we did nothing else but worship, it would be the most effective conference on earth because worship is powerful. Praise is powerful. That's what feeds our spirit, man. It aligns our life up with the word of God. So we are more full with what God has to say about us, what the word has to say about our circumstances, than we are what everybody else has to say about them. Does that make sense? All right, so that order matters. Now let's look at 3 John 1, 2. And again, I'm going to read it in the, the New King James, and then we're going to read it in the Amplified. And it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And then we'll look at it in the Amplified. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. And then in the regular Amplified version, it says that as your spiritual soul prospers your spiritual soul prospers. So I'm just laying a foundation before we get into emotions, okay? So we're only as healthy as our soul is. Our lives are only as healthy as our soul is. But here's what we do, is we spend so much time trying to present something externally 
that we pay no attention or we suppress or we hide what's going on internally. And so there's turmoil and there's a fight and there's this exhaustion and confusion and constant frustration because what's going on inside of me, nobody knows, but I've got to take all my effort. I don't have enough time, energy, or effort to put into what's going on the inside because all of that is put into covering it up so no one knows. And so we put on this front on the outside, but we are only as healthy as our soul. So if you were to think to yourself, you don't have to say this out loud, I just like participation in making it very applicable, not just like, oh, there were so many good concepts and that meant concepts don't save nobody. So how does it actually apply to your life? How healthy are you? How's your mind? How's your emotions? How's your desires? How healthy, you're only as healthy as your soul. And then we're gonna see in a minute, does our soul have anything to do with spiritual things? Or is our soul completely consumed with fleshly things? Is it completely consumed with worldly things? Besides the title Christian, is our thought life any different than anyone else around us? Do we respond to circumstances in our homes and respond to circumstances in our lives differently than anybody else around us? Or does it look the same? Our desires, are our pursuits for money, is our pursuit for happiness, is our pursuit for success, is our pursuit for a position, is our pursuit for these things, does it look any different than the world around us? So is our flesh, our, our, our flesh, the health of our flesh, is it consumed with spiritual things or is it consumed with fleshly things? We know that, and we're going to look in a minute at what is actually being produced out of our lives. Now let's look at 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, and this one I'm only going to read in the Amplified. Let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair and the wearing of the jewelry or of changes of clothes. But let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with an incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. And then another translation there, it says that it's a gentle, self-controlled, peaceful, joy-filled spirit. That it's not like just worry about who you are on the inside and be silent. That's not what that verse is saying. It's saying, again, we put so much effort on outward things. We put so much effort on covering up, on hiding, on presenting a version of ourselves that we want the world to see. Because we're so busy hiding what's inside and what's really going on. So it's saying, let's look at that person of the heart. Who, who is that? Because the word of God is more concerned about our heart. God is more concerned about our heart than he is anything else. It says that when he was picking David, it says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Would our heart disqualify us from where God wants to take us? Because outside of the outward appearance, is it any different than the world around us? What's going on in there? Are we more concerned about what's going on inside than we are outside? When we, if you even think about, you know, getting up in the morning, how much time do we spend getting ready for our day, getting ready physically for our day, and how much time do we spend spiritually getting ready for our day? But yet our biggest battles at the end of the day have to do with everything that we weren't prepared for spiritually. Our biggest battles at the end of the day are our coworkers. The biggest battles at the end of the day are the person that cut us off. Our biggest battles at the end of the day are the fight we had with our husband, the financial situation. But I'm dressed. I'm dressed. I'm, I'm covered. I'm writing a study on that right now. Get up, get dressed is what it's called. That we break down, what are we getting dressed for? Am I dressed in my mind? Am I preparing my mind? Because I will not let what the world has to say about my circumstances, about my life, about where I'm headed, about what God says about me. I'm not going to let that in my mind. I'm not going to let my desires be shifted to desire something outside of the word of God and what God has for me. I'm not going to let my emotions take me somewhere that they have no business taking me. But if I don't prepare for that in the morning, if I don't get ready, if I don't get up and get dressed spiritually, 
that I'm ready physically and I'm fighting naked spiritually. And, and that we wonder why we feel like we're under attack. We wonder at the end of the day why I don't feel rested. I don't feel God's strength. I don't feel, I feel weakness. And the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in my weakness and all I am is weakness. And God's saying, you've given me no place for my strength to be able to be at work in your life. Because we've made room for external, we've made no room for internal. And again, guys, I don't want this to be a condemning, guilt-filled message. I want it to be a message that sets us free. Because I believe that there's a boldness, I believe that there's a strength in this room that has been untapped. That we have no idea what we're capable of. The women that God has created each and every one of us to be. And sometimes we can settle with it is what it is. This is just how my life has always been. That's just how it's going to be. I'm always going to have these troubles. I'm always going to have these insecurities. I'm always going to have these battles. And it's never going to change. So I just have to suppress those down and do my best to do with it. Because that's not what the word of God says. And that is my heart in this is that we grab hold of some of these truths and go, I don't have to live that way. I can live different. I can live rested. What would that be like? I can live full of strength. I can live full of joy. My home can be a place of peace that I can't wait to get there. Most of us want to avoid it because it's a place of chaos and a place of disorder and a place of frustration and irritation and fighting and conflict. Instead, God says that that's a place of peace. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's the atmosphere of my home because I've gotten dressed and allowed God to work through my life. We tracking? We good? All right, so spirit, soul, and body. Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. The only way to guard our, house, our heart is to live spiritually whole. That's the only way to guard our heart. If we try to guard our heart in our own strength, it will still get damaged. We cannot guard our heart in our own strength. If I try to just not let bad things in and not watch bad things and it's all in my strength, it's still gonna get in my heart because I'm guarding it in my strength. The only way to truly guard my heart is to do it submitted to the leading of the person of the Holy Spirit, to live submitted to the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of me, to live submitted to the Word of God. That's the only way that we can truly guard our heart because constantly we're gonna have things coming at us. We have thoughts, we have feelings, we have people saying things, we got people thinking things that we think they're thinking but we don't know they're thinking but we think they're thinking because we know they're thinking. And really just we thought it and now we just put that thought into everybody else's brain and we're like, they all think I look silly this day. I never thought that. But we think that. We will have input on what people think about our relationships, our marriage, our kids, our jobs. We have what the bank is saying about our finances. We have all of these external things coming at us. But we can only guard our heart when we are spiritually whole. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit first. God created us, spirit, soul, and body. And we see this, and I want us to really grab hold of this because sometimes we think that emotions are just like thrust upon us and we're pre-programmed and they're universal. And they're not. God created emotions for us to be able to experience life, to enjoy life, but created us spirit, soul, and body. It says that he made Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground, right? Or he made Eve from the ribs of Adam and he made um, Adam from the dust. Gotta be theologically correct. So he made Adam and Eve, and then it says he breathed life into them. What we see is there in the garden, Adam has a mind, he's naming animals. So we know he's got a brain, okay? So he's naming all the animals. They're, they were given rules. They obviously have the ability to understand. When Eve took the fruit and ate, it says that she desired it. Turns out she has a soul too. And then it says that they ran and hid from God. When do you run and hide? When you're ashamed or afraid, which we would say is a, an emotion. Turns out Adam and Eve had a soul. They didn't put it there on their own. God put it there. And then if we look at Psalm 139, it says that he formed my inward parts. Inward parts, if you break that down, is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He formed your organs too. But there he's specifically talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what he's talking about there. So God formed those. What did God say after he created everything that he did? It is good. It is good. So is our soul good? Yeah. It was created for good. But then sin happened. And when sin happened, what happens? It separated us from God. And so now we have, we, we are 
cannot have a relationship from God with God at that point. Because now we are separated from him. And then salvation happens. When salvation happens, now our spirit man that's on the inside of us is made alive to God. So when Jesus died on the cross for the first time, that was made possible. No one in the Old Testament could have a spirit man that was alive to God. They were separated from God. So now New Testament happens. My spirit man comes alive to God as soon as I receive Jesus. So now I got a spirit man inside of me. So now I am spirit, soul, and body. Okay, we understand every single one of us in here have one of those. Yes, if I've received Jesus, I have a spirit, I have a soul, I have a body. If you haven't received Jesus, you still have a spirit. It's just dead and not talking to you. So you want to make that alive before you leave this conference. It will be very helpful. Um, All right, so we got spirit, we got soul, we got body. And that's made alive to God because of salvation. All right. But now there's two natures. And my dad says it this way. He says there's two natures within my chest. One is cursed and one is blessed. One I love, the one I hate, and the one I feed will dominate. I lost it for a minute. Okay? But there's two natures within our chest. We have flesh and we have spirit. So now I get saved. I give my life to Jesus. And I'm trying really hard to live the way that God has created me to live. I'm trying really hard to be who he's created me to be. And I just can't do it. <laughs> and I'm struggling real bad. And, and I know that the Bible says that I can do it. But I'm trying to line my mind up and I'm trying to line my emotions up and I'm trying to line my words up. But sometimes I still talk like the person that was not saved yet. And I still react like the person that was not saved yet. And then sometimes I still desire the things that the person that was not saved yet desired. Why? Because there's two natures and they war against each other. Now I'm going to bring this full circle. This is very important for us to understand because we said that to guard our heart, the only way to do so is to be spiritually whole, correct? Okay. I want to look at the dangers of not guarding our heart because it says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life, right? So everything in our lives comes from our heart. Everything. The words that we're speaking, they're coming from our heart. The output of our lives, those are coming from our heart. What we're, our action towards others, our emotional state, that is all coming from our heart. Our heart condition is very much so revealed in our reality. So we know exactly what's going on in our inner man when we're looking at ourselves externally and trying to cover that up. So everything we're covering up is really hidden in our hearts, and that's where we got to deal with it. And so it says, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So we have two natures in our chest. I want to read a few scriptures. Let's go to Romans 8. And we're going to like rapid fire these so that we can lay this solid so we know what's happening inside of us. Remember, you're not alone. Everyone feels this way. Uh, Romans 8, 5, and it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the thing of the Spirit. That makes sense, right? So if I'm living according to the flesh... That's what my mind's going to be focused on. If I'm living according to the Spirit, that's what my mind's going to be set set on, right? And we're allowing fleshly things in our heart or spiritual things in our heart. We all agree? Okay, let's keep going. For to be carnally minded is death. Carnally is fleshly. Death, Death is a bad word. I don't want a dead heart, right? You don't want a dead heart. To be carnally minded is death, all right? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We did an assessment of our health a minute ago. Is your life filled with life and peace? Or does it feel like more and more things are dying or decaying at this point? Which one do we feel? This reveals immediately what our minds have been set on. So let's keep going a little bit farther. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. All right, well, that makes a lot of sense. I'm focusing my mind on the things of the flesh. I'm filling my heart with death, and I literally cannot obey the word of God. Why? Because I'm focused on fleshly things instead of spiritual things. But God wanted us to be whole and complete, spirit, soul, and body. So if you're sitting in a place and you're like, I'm wondering why I can't line up with the word of God. I can't do what it says to do. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to hear God's voice and I just can't. What's your mind focused on? Because if our mind is focused on the flesh, we're not gonna hear those things. If our mind is focused on the spirit, then we have life 
and we have peace flowing through our lives. All right, keep going just a little bit farther. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Oh. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Does the spirit of God dwell in us? Yes, all right. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you... But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So have we decided which one we want to live by at this point? There's a lot of death connected to the flesh. A lot of death. There's a lot of life connected to the Spirit. But if we take a minute again and look back at how healthy is our soul, am I meditating on what the Word of God says, or am I meditating on what that person said to me? And how I'm going to have the argument that I already had and missed my opportunity. But in case it comes up again, I'm going to keep spinning it around in my mind. Is that what we're meditating on? Are we meditating on what the Word of God says? Are we meditating on the flesh? Are we meditating on the Spirit? What are we setting our minds to? Now let's look at Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Does it say live your, your life trying to avoid the lust of the flesh? No. But so many of us are trying to walk in the Spirit by avoiding the flesh in our own strength. That's not what it says here. It says to walk in the Spirit. Intentionally. To be intentional about what I'm doing. I'm not living random. I'm intentionally walking in the Spirit. And that seems like a really bad, religious, huge, complicated term. What that really means, when I walk in the Spirit, I'm going to read God's Word, and I'm going to do what I read that it said to do. I'm going to have a relationship with my God. That's walking in the Spirit. If the Bible says that this is what my finances should look like, if it says that this is how I need to honor my parents, if it says this is how I need to honor my marriage, then I'm going to simply do what it says to do. I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to do the word. I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to do the word. That's walking in the spirit. I'm feeding my spirit, man, and walking it out. I'm meditating on the word. I'm speaking the word, and I'm walking it out. You see? So it's not as, as big as scary as what we thought it was. Um, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not know the or do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such thing will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's another death trap. These are the fruit that are being produced for my life. But instead... But the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So what's being produced? I read all that just to say what's being produced in our life. Is it outbursts of wrath? Is it selfish ambitions? Is it lust? Is it desires that are outside the word of God? Or when I'm facing a hard situation, when the Bible says they count it all joy when it falls into various trials, when I fall into various trials, can I immediately count it all joy? Or are we angry? Are we bitter? Are we offended? Are we upset? What happens when trials hit? God, where are you? I'm trying to do this thing and I'm facing a hard time. So we blame God, we blame other people for where we're at. When a trial hits, can we count it all joy? Is that the fruit of our life? Sometimes it seems like that is impossible. And that's what I want to encourage you with. It is so possible to have joy in our lives when we're facing hard things. It is so possible to have peace when it seems impossible to have peace. Peace beyond what we can understand. The word says it. It is possible 
but are we walking in the spirit? See, if we're walking in the flesh, it's impossible. We will not see that fruit in our life. So if we're not seeing the fruit of the spirit of God in our lives, we're not walking in the spirit of God. It's not that God's not working, it's that we're not walking there. And we've gotta adjust where we're walking so that we can see this fruit being produced in our lives. Now let's look at Ephesians 4, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that you are a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. When we receive Jesus, we have a new nature. We have a new man that we are able to live in. And it says right here that this new man, that it is created according to God. Do you think God would want us to live in brokenness and in grief and in anxiety and in fear and in confusion and anger and worry? Do you think that's the life that he has created for us to live? No, that's not our God. That's not the nature of our God. So I have a new nature that I have access to. And that's why I say don't settle with it is what it is. Guys, there is so much more that God has for every single one of us. If we would just take a step over and go, I'm going to live spirit first and just see what God does. Just, just try it. Just try it. Go, I'm going I'm to reorganize and I'm going to go spirit first in every area of my life. And see what he does because there's a new nature on the inside of us that is created in true righteousness and holiness. Let's look at John 6, 63. It says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. I just want us to grab hold of this, that there is danger when we are living according to the flesh. There is danger. There is no profit. It does no good for us. In living according to the Spirit, there's life and there's peace. And then it produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But if we're focused on, on trying to see God's things, and we want to see God's fruit, and we want to experience the blessings of God, but we're living according to the flesh, we're not going to get there. And I want us to see the divide as we jump into, we're talking about emotions. We're going to jump into emotions right now. But emotions can be so dangerous because they're so misleading. Emotions God created for good. He wants us to be able to experience life. He wants us to be able to see the, the happiness that we can experience. He wants us to be able to, to have strength. He wants us to be able to have joy. He wants us to be able to have peace. He wants us to be able to have comfort. He wants us to have those emotions and experience life in that way. But when we're set on the flesh, we're going to have turmoil, we're going to have confusion, we're going to have anxiety, we're going to have fear, we're going to have anger, we're going to have confusion, we're going to have discontentment. Nothing can ever be good enough. We're exhausted, and that's the life we're going to live because we're living according to the flesh. That's why I really wanted to hound that in before we jump into emotions. So it's how we experience life. Emotions are probably one of the biggest battles that Christians will ever face. Because they are so random. Like, just think about it for a minute. Um, you get up in the morning, and your alarm didn't go off. Somebody give me an emotion. Excellent. None of those sound like they're from God. Okay. And then you walk out, and your husband left you a really sweet note and a cup of coffee and some flowers that says, just have a great day. Emotion. Give it to me. Oh. But then you have a flat tire when you walk outside. Emotion. This is going well. You got to work and you forgot you had the day off. So what emotion are you feeling? Go ahead and just list them all. I'm happy and irritated. There was a reason my alarm wasn't set. So you have the day off. But then your husband called, the same one that left you such a sweet thing that morning. Um, and turns out he forgot, like, his lunch, several errands. He forgot to go to the bank, so you're actually out of money. Um, so you need to go take care of all of that. Emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah? All right, all right. 
Um, so you're doing all of that. You decide to grab groceries on your way home, and there's a fraud alert on your card. Just no answer. We're just, we're just numb by this point. We're done. Um, but it's fine because then your favorite people from out of town decided to show up at your house that night that you haven't seen in forever, and you're really excited to see them. How many of you are completely stressed right now, and how many of you are thrilled? Raise your hand if you're stressed. And the others of you are thrilled. Now you know everybody's personality in the room in 10 seconds. All right. Do you see the exhaustive day you had just had? Um, and you had the day off. All right, this is why emotions are so dangerous. Because if we live by our emotions outside of principle, we live a life like this. I'm frustrated, I'm happy, I'm, I feel loved, I feel hated. Why couldn't you deposit the check? Well, I made you a cup of coffee. I don't care, that was this morning before you forgot to deposit the check. Your marriage was great 10 seconds ago and now it's miserable. You loved your job in one second. Now you don't like your job. You wanted, you know, like your bank was great until you got the fraud alert. And it's like this. And now you're just exhausted. What did you do today? Nothing. <laughs> Why are you so angry? Because. Do you want to talk about it? What is there to talk? Like, how does one talk about that? Can I take you through the last 10 minutes of emotions I've experienced? Because there's a lot of them. Okay, living by emotions is dangerous. Dangerous. And we live discontent and we live exhausted. Because if we're honest in this room, most of us live our day-to-day -day lives like that. And wherever our emotions say we're going, that's where we're going. I'm ticked and no one can tell me any different because you haven't had the day I've had. I'm happy, and you can't tell me any different. Actually, you can, because happiness is always taken away by someone's cry fest. So there went that emotion. See, that's why we like being alone, because if I'm happy, no one can mess with me. Yeah, it's a thing. See? You learned about so many personalities in that moment as well. So you're like, why would you be alone? That's so sad. But our emotions will take us places we don't want to go and we're exhausted and then we pray about it God fix my husband God fix the bank God why didn't you remind me that I had a day off and we're upset at God we're upset at the people around us we're upset at our day things are just not looking up right now see but when we live by emotion outside of principle will be led by emotion. See, we were, we were created to be spirit-led, not emotionally driven. Emotions will always drive us places that we don't want to go. Okay, here's the equivalent. I want you to keep this in your head. Emotions are like toddlers. Okay? Equivalent, equal in all aspects of life. If Dawson tells me he had a really bad day, like a really bad day, like he couldn't go to Papa's house or something, like... That's it. But it's a bad day. Like, I choose death. That's how he feels. But he's little. Brittley can't be told no. If you even start, like, mm. <laughs> can you be told no? Why? Because your emotions are like toddlers and all of you are screaming inside when you hear no. Okay? Here's what you do with a toddler. Do you let them drive your car? Why do you let emotions drive you? Do you put your toddler in the trunk? Don't raise your hand. Just, just don't. Things have been going so well. That whole leave thing, at that moment, you can, you can leave. Um... We don't put them in the trunk, though. We strap them in. Okay, I shared this at Bible camp, but I need you guys to know the lie that you've been given about car seats as well. You have been fed this thing that the reason you need a car seat is to keep your toddler safe. No. The reason you need a car seat 
is so that you remain safe while driving from your toddler. <laughs> they won't tell you that because they want you to be safe. The safety is for you, not for them. So that was just an extra bonus for you to take home and, and keep. But what do you do with your toddler? You put them in a car seat, strapped in, in the back seat so that you're safe from them and you can focus on the road, okay? You put nothing in line of reach, they can't throw things at you. That is how we need to handle our emotions, okay? We want them to be in the car with us. God gave us emotions, we wanna experience life. But we don't wanna put them in the trunk and suppress them and pretend that they don't exist. But then we also don't wanna let them drive us everywhere we go. We wanna know what are my emotions saying? Did I feel frustrated right there? Why did I feel frustrated? What does that reveal about me? And how am I gonna apply principle to what it is that I'm feeling right now? Because we live spirit-led, not emotionally driven. So I understand that I missed my alarm. That's a bummer. It doesn't get to say how my day is gonna go. Because I'm gonna apply principle and God is not concerned like, I don't have an answer for your missed alarm, I'm sorry. No, there is. I can still walk in peace. My day can still be with, filled with joy and peace. My day can still be filled with joy and peace when I see the coffee and the flowers. My day can be filled with joy and peace because I have a flat tire. My day can still be filled with joy and peace when I get to work and find out that there wasn't work that day. When there's fraud on my card, when there's, Paul says that nevertheless, I have learned to be content in all things. So I've only been beaten like this many times and shipwrecked and bitten by a snake. It's fine. Just another day in the life of Paul. But I can be content. And we look at the lives, of, or we look at even just the life of Paul. How many times he's been in prison and he's like, what do you want to do? Worship? All right. Like they just chill there. Like not whining, not complaining, just... So do you think God's going to get us out or are we going to die and go to heaven? Because either one. But our alarm doesn't go off. And we're like, God, are you not going to get me out of this crisis? Or can we learn to be content in all things? Because our emotions were never created to drive us. We were created to be spirit-led. I have emotions so that when I, there's joy, I can, I can feel that. When there's peace, I can feel that. When I'm frustrated about something, God, what are you revealing in me? When that made me angry, and you know, and, and I, I don't want to disacknowledge emotions because you're like, no, but, but there's real emotion and it hurts. And it absolutely does. There is grief, there is hurt, there is pain that we can experience that it doesn't seem possible because of what something happened to us that was unjust or, or a loss that we maybe have experienced or um, something somebody did to us that we had no control over. And those are real emotions and they hurt. They hurt. And so I sympathize with you in that to go, no, those are real. It hurts when people walk away. It hurts when people betray you. It hurts when, when somebody you lost that you thought you would never lose. It hurts when you've been thrown under the bus in a completely unfair situation. And yeah, we feel angry. We feel frustrated. And those are real. But in the same way, God says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. He says, I got you. I see you. He says that he's near to the brokenhearted. He doesn't leave us. He said, come this way. Cast your care on me. All that stuff you're carrying, let me carry it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it says that come unto me, all you who are weary, I will give you rest. God says, I see you. He knows what's going on. And sometimes it feels like he doesn't, but what does that reveal about us? Maybe I don't have the patience that I thought I did. Maybe I don't have the self-control that I thought I did. And so even in those moments of the deepest guilt, the deepest grief, the, the deepest hurt, that we can possibly imagine that I don't understand why this is happening to me and it hurts. We can still take that to God and be okay. Because we can have a strength that surpasses what we're facing. We can have a peace that surpasses what we're, we're facing. And you watch the healing. He's a redemptive God. He's a restorative God. 
but he only does good. He doesn't do evil. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's why operating in the flesh is so dangerous. Because he still comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So my emotions I'll feel stolen from. My will I'll be stolen from. My mind I'll be stolen from. My body and my health I'll be stolen from. Those things are not from God. God is the bringer of life. God is the bringer of peace. He restores. He redeems. That's who God is. But we live in a fallen world because of sin. And so bad things are going to happen. And I want to walk through, I think if there's a, a great example of somebody that walked through emotion incredibly, it'd be Jesus. And I think of all people that we can follow in how he handled emotion, it would be Jesus. And so I want to go to Matthew 26. And I want to kind of just back up in the story a little bit. Jesus has been walking with the disciples, and time and time and time again, he says, I'm going to die. There's going to be a day I'm going to die. There's going to be a day I'm going away. There's going to be, but don't worry, in three days, I, I will rise again. I'm going to send you a helper. It is going to be super awesome. It is better. It honestly, it's better for your sake that I go. It's better this way. And he has told them over and over and over again, read through the Gospels. He lets the disciples know what's up. But when the day comes that this has taken place, Peter's like, mm, no, I don't actually like that plan. <laughs> Why? Because there's some emotion involved, right? And sometimes we're speaking out of emotion. So Peter, he's like, no, I don't like that. And, but how many of us says that in me you have peace, in this world you're going to have trouble. And as soon as we have trouble, you're like, why'd I try, God? Don't know. Don't know why I even try. He told us it was going to happen. He told us we wouldn't need peace if life was peachy and comfortable. We wouldn't need him to be our joy. We wouldn't need him to be our strength. We wouldn't need him to be our hope. We wouldn't need help if we didn't need help. <laughs> He knew we were going to need help. So all the things that he provides and promises in the word of God are because we're probably going to face the counter. When it says, oh, death, where is your sting? We're probably going to face death. When it says that the grave no longer has power, when it says that I'm near to the brokenhearted because there's going to be grief, there's going to be things that you're going to face. When it says that do not fear over and over and over and over, it's probably going to be because we're facing fear. And the opportunity to fear, correct? And so we can't get disheartened like the disciples and be like, what do you mean you're going to die? He's like, I've only been telling you this for like a long time. He knew he was going to die just like he told us that we're going to face hard things. We're going to face things that we don't expect. And we're going to face things that we're going to have to trust. We're going to face seasons that we're going to have to wait. And we don't like to wait. But a fruit of the Spirit is patience. <laughs> So he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's already put it on the inside of us, right? But if we're walking according to the flesh and trying to see the results of a spirit-filled life, we're not going to see it. And he tries to tell the disciples the same thing, and I put myself in the, in the feeling of the disciples, but I, I love this story. Um, but he tells them that, hey, let's go pray. And it says, then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Okay, he's telling the disciples his emotions. Jesus had those too. And he said, I'm extremely sorrowful, even to the point of death. Basically, in our words, he's saying, I don't feel like doing this. I know it's what needs to be done, but I don't feel like it. Anybody ever not feel like it? See, our problem is we don't feel like it too much. Like we let those feelings tell us everything about life. Today, I don't feel like being married anymore. Today, I don't feel like working there anymore. Today, I don't feel like 
being in church anymore. Today, I don't feel like following through with all the commitments that I said. I was excited, yeah, but now I'm not excited, so God must not want me to do it anymore. Because it got hard. So it can't be from God. Jesus said, I don't feel like it. So he even felt that feeling. So is it okay to not feel like it sometimes? Yes, but what we do with it is very important because Jesus didn't feel like it. And he told him to pray. And he said he went a little farther and fell on his face, praying, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. God, I'm feeling this way. I don't feel like doing this. But what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What if every time we felt like quitting, we felt like not following through, we felt like backing out on commitments, we felt like not living our lives according to the word of God? Every time we felt like it, we said, God, this is what I feel like. I need to be honest with you for a minute. It didn't say he went and told all the disciples all of that. We go tell all of our friends all that. I don't feel like it anymore. I don't feel like it anymore. I don't feel like it anymore. And before we ever hear God's voice, we hear what everyone else has to say about our feelings. And then you got their feelings on top of that. And you don't know if their alarm went off that day or not. So you have no idea what you're dealing with. (laughs) It's a true story. And so now you're taking input from all of these people and you want God's results in it. Because we didn't feel like it. Jesus took it to God. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. It says that I need you to pray. Jesus didn't say I need you to pray for me. He said I need you to pray so that you don't enter temptation. I need you to pray in this moment so that you don't fall into emotion. I need you to pray in this moment so that you don't fall into desires that are outside of what I have for you because it can lead to disaster. I need you to pray. It says you pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Jesus was not worried about himself. He already took his emotion where it belonged. He was worried about them. So he said, I need you to pray so that you don't. The spirit is willing. The spirit is willing to what? Empower us, lead us, guide us, direct us. But the flesh is weak, meaning it will cave in seconds. It will cave in seconds. So he tells the disciples this. So he left them, went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the words, and he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping? Why? Because they felt tired. Anybody have a super energetic day until you sit down to pray and then you feel tired? Do you think that's God telling you to rest, or do you think that's the enemy saying, the flesh is weak, sunshine? Yeah? Yeah? We get real tired when the things of God come up. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas. Let's talk about Judas for a minute. Talk about an emotional wreck when we're led by emotions. He is Jesus' like buddy. He's a disciple. And then in a second, he's like, hold up. I know what Jesus got to offer me. What do you guys have to offer me? Because life's about to get a little bit rough. What does someone else have to offer? Do we do that? Judas made an emotional decision because life was about to get a little bit hard. And there was something someone else had to offer him that maybe sounded a little more comfortable and peaceful than what Jesus had to offer. Jesus was going to die. They have money. So he traded him in, an emotional decision. An emotional decision that then led him to betray Jesus and then led him to another emotional decision being so overwhelmed with grief and guilt that he killed himself. Why? Because he didn't live spirit-led. He lived emotionally driven. In all this time, he thought what he was doing was logical. So now let's look at Peter. Remember the guy that Jesus just said, I don't want you to enter into temptation, so I need you to pray, and then he fell asleep? I, I just, I love this story. I mean, it's sad when it goes forward. It's, it's good. It's the biggest pinnacle event in the Bible. But just this portion is really hilarious to me. Um, 
The great multitude with swords and clubs came, and the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given him a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, he is the one sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. All right. This is where I need to be very clear that emotions do not make sense and they lie to you. This made perfect sense in Peter's mind. Matthew, what a buddy though. I would have totally thrown him under the bus. He just said one of those that was with Jesus. Like you have three chances to guess the right one. So he didn't throw him under the bus like the other disciples did. Um, He just said it was one of them, but we all know Peter was a hothead. So He grabs a sword and cuts off the guy's ear. Okay, it said that they brought like a Roman grouping of humans to take Jesus. What was his plan? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, what was he going to do next? He can't hear me. Quick, snatch Jesus. I cut his ear off. He, what was his plan? When we react emotionally, it is that ridiculous. Like, what was your plan with the rest of them? Did you think they couldn't kill you? And then Jesus pretty much says the same thing. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And then my favorite line, or do you not think that I could not pray to my father and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Thank you, Peter, for protecting God. I appreciate you. Your efforts are noted. (laughs) The spirit is still willing. Your flesh is obviously weak. That's what Jesus left out of that line, but I know he wanted to say it. Um, Just right there, kind of the I told you so sucker punch. Okay, our emotions do the same thing. We're like, God, I'll protect you in this. I know what we need to do. And we respond to our emotions. But we completely bypass principle because then Jesus leads on to say, how could the scriptures be fulfilled? Peter, I've told you time and time again that this is what was going to happen. And you jumped to cut off a dude's ear because you thought you were going to save me from what I was literally sent on earth to do. Our emotions, when we respond emotionally, instead of being spirit-led, if we live emotionally driven, we will always derail the destiny that God has for us and potentially sabotage what he's doing in somebody else because we're living emotionally because our words matter because what we're thinking matter what's coming out of our lives I'll have you guys go ahead and stand with me what's coming out of our lives it matters if you read in in the book of Mark you read the same encounter Um, Mark didn't want to throw himself under the bus either so he didn't say his name but it says and one of them fled naked that sounds very emotional to me Like, it didn't say much about Mark being a hippie. And so it's just like, oh my gosh, strip and run. They're taking Jesus. (laughs) Emotional decision, but Jesus had told him. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Peter denies Jesus. We have Queen Esther. When Mordecai came and told her, he's going to kill all the Jews. And she's like, "Mm, I, I can't go to the king. You're on your own. Why? Because emotion spoke. And she's like... That's a little scary, but you do you. And Mordecai has to remind her, like, you're still a Jew. (laughs) Oh, right. I should pray about this. So she prays for three days and does the right thing, and everyone was saved. Emotional decisions. You see them all throughout the Bible. We see Jonah. He hated the people of Nineveh so much that he's like, no problem. I'll just run away from God. He'll never find me on the boat. God's like, gotcha. Emotions, emotions, emotions. Doing what we feel outside of principle is dangerous and will always lead us somewhere that we don't want to go. It's dangerous. So I want to encourage you, when we feel something, what does God have to say about it? An eagle, when he comes to fight a snake, he won't fight him on the ground. He takes him into the air and that's how he defeats the snake we cannot defeat the flesh in our own strength we have to take it to a higher ground 
We have to take what is going on in my life, the circumstances that I'm facing, the emotions that I'm feeling, my soul realm, I have to take that and I have to take it to a higher ground. And I need to be able to fight where God has created me to fight. It says that I am seated at the right hand of the Father, that we are daughters of Christ, that we have authority beyond what we can imagine because of the new nature that lives on the inside of us, the spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and we can say no to those things. We can say that they don't have a place in our life. We can have strength to be able to walk through things that we didn't think possible. We can have peace but we've got to take our battles to a different level. We can't fight them down here. If you guys are tired of being exhausted, if you say, I, I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from chasing emotions to here, to there, to everywhere. I'm exhausted from trying to do what's right in the word of God and not see it happen in my life. I'm exhausted. And we live tired and we live worn out. And it might be because we're fighting battles in our own strength here and trying to apply the word of God. So instead of living spirit led, we're living spirit sprinkled because we have a whole lot memorized and do a whole lot of nothing with it. My mom said last night that the only Bible you actually know is what you do. So what are we applying in our lives? What are we applying in our lives? If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I wanna make a few statements. I want you to go, oh, like, just recognize, like, oh, that hurt a little bit. Because as I was praying for this, this message, one of the things that I feel like holds us very, very tightly is, is offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. So when I'm talking about taking things to a new level of going, no, I have authority over that. And I made it real light to be that, yeah, I want to have power over frustration and I want to have power over the little irritations in life. And we want to see God's results in those. But what happens when God says to do good to those who curse you? To pray for those who spitefully use you? If we don't forgive, I can't forgive you. What happens when those statements are said? Because we want freedom. We want to live spirit-led. The spirit is not going to lead you somewhere outside of the word of God. It will always lead you to principle because that's where freedom is and that's where truth is. So in those areas that we've been hurt, maybe you're like, no, but I, I, I can't. I want to see justice. I want vengeance in that situation. That was not fair. That was not okay. God is your vindicator. And he wouldn't ask you to do something that would put you in harm's way. He wouldn't ask you to forgive if it was gonna mess you up. But the enemy wants to hold us in unforgiveness because it will mess us up. So that was one of the, the biggest things that I have seen. The, the, the other one was to be anxious for nothing. And here's what I feel. I feel that maybe there was a generation that had no feelings or wasn't allowed to have feelings. You weren't allowed to feel. Maybe you were raised in that home. You, you can't feel. You, you can't express. So maybe the only emotion you knew was anger. And, and it, you, you suppressed it. But you're not allowed to feel. But then we have a generation who is absolutely allowed to feel and feel everything. So we have two different extremes. But here's what we've done. We have one generation that felt anxious and never talked about it, and we have a second generation that feels anxious maybe once or twice and now has an anxiety disorder. Because, I need to say this right, because it, it's what I got in prayer, and I know God wants to set people free. Because we felt something that seemed foreign, because we hadn't heard it talked about, we picked up the identity of that thing. And so if it's shame, if it's fear, if it's anxiety... Whatever that is, it is now because I'm, I'm depressed. We'll say that, I'm, I'm depressed. We'll say that phrase, if you've said that phrase. Now here, I also wanna give another disclaimer. I understand that genuine depression, anxiety disorders, panics, those are very, very real, and I get it. It's still not in my Bible. Which means I know you can be free from that. But we'll make statements because we feel some way, so I must be depressed. I feel anxious or nervous in different environments. I have a disorder. So if those statements that you've made 
And, and you'll know who you are if you know. And you go, I, I've made statements and I've picked up identities that are not mine. I've picked up depression. That's not what God says about me. I may have felt depressed, but that's not who he's created me to be. I may have felt anxious, but that's not who he created me to be. I may have felt worried. I may have felt angry. I may have felt these things, but that's not who God has created me to be. And so if any of those things, if it's unforgiveness, if it's bitterness, if it's, I want to pray with you, but this isn't just raise your hand and keep on doing what you're doing. Raise your hand. What does the word of God say about it? And let's fight this at a new level. Don't fight the snake on the ground. This is the snake that I recognize in my life and I want it gone because I refuse to be stolen from. And I know there's also feelings that are deep feelings of grief, of pain, of, I don't even know the word to put to it, but it's like a, like you don't understand. Uh, confusion is not the right word, but you don't understand why the things that have happened have happened. And I don't know what that word is, but you know what it is. And it's that feeling that you almost feel isolated from God or the exception from the rule because there's no way these things can be happening. And that's a lie. It's a lie to keep you isolated. And so any of those things, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, ladies, I want to see you set free. I want to see you free from these things because there's a life that you have access to. There's a God that loves you more than you can imagine. And so if there is something that you have picked up the identity of, depression, oppression, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, whatever it is, it's not saying these things aren't happening. They're truthful things, you bet. But it's saying that's not what my Bible says and I'm done with them. I want them gone. So if any of those things, I want you to lift your hand with me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, if you know that you've been dealing, keep your hands up. If you know you've been dealing with unforgiveness, you want revenge, you want justice. And if you forgive and move on and you're just happy again, it doesn't seem possible and it seems like they're just gonna get away with it. I know that I know that God wants to tell you that vengeance is his. He will take care of it, but the longer you hold on to that, you will continue to have your life stolen from. He doesn't want your life stolen from. So if that's you, I need you to lift your hand. But I want to let it go. There are hands all over this room. Guys, people that have been stolen from and stolen from and stolen from. Father God, I thank you for every single hand lifted. God, I thank you for the boldness to be able to say I let that go. I let that go. God, we thank you that with you, all things are possible. We are not ruled by what we feel. God, we thank you that you do, that you take vengeance, that you see, that God, you see that hurt, you see that pain, you see that grief, those things that we don't understand. God, we thank you and we release any person that has wronged us, that has hurt us. God, we release them now. We turn them over to you, and I thank you for restoration to come back. I thank you for life to be restored, for joy to be restored in those places that it's been stolen. God, that, that anger, I pray that it has no place, it has no hold. And God, I thank you for every identity that has been picked up that is outside of your identity. Depression, and those of you that raised your hands for those specific things, do not let those words come out of your mouth again. Depression doesn't get to be stated in your home. Anxiety does not get to be stated in your home. Peace gets to be mentioned in your home. Comfort gets to be mentioned in your home. Clarity of mind, wisdom, those things get to be mentioned in your home. But do not claim this back. I believe God has taken these things away, but your mouth can bring it back. So you need to guard your mouth, guard your heart, guard your mind that you are not depressed. You are not anxious. You do not have a disorder. It does not line up with the word of God. 
You are not emotional. You are not crazy. You are not ruining your family. You are not ruining your home. God, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you for victory, and we're not going to fight this in our own strength. We give it to you. We cast our cares on you, God. You are faithful to take it. You're faithful to deal with it, and we trust you. And I would like every single lady in this room just to lift your hands. God, we surrender it to you, and we're not fighting snakes on ground level. We are fighting snakes on your level, and we thank you that we are children of God. We thank you that we are sitting at the right hand of the Father, and these things have no more say. We will live and we will walk in the fullness of who you say that we are. There is more, there is more, there is more. And God, we want all of it. I thank you that we will live in order and priority, that spirit will be first, that we will seek you first above all else. We will seek your word. We will meditate on your word. God, we thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiving us and we offer forgiveness. Thank you for choosing us. We choose you. And we thank you that through you, we can. Because in you, there is peace. You are our pursuit. You are our focus. In Jesus' name, amen.